You're listening to the Heal Better Fast podcast, dedicated to bridging the gap between alternative healthcare and mainstream medicine in utilizing everything good to help you feel great. We're glad you tuned in. Now here's your host, Dr. Michael Pound. All right, today's guest is an expert in ADHD treatment methods. Dr. James Greenblatt is the author of Finally Focused, and his book is a prescription manual that provides all the background information and practical guidelines needed to confidently treat your ADHD child or yourself. Now, he believes that individuals can effectively relieve the symptoms of ADHD, learning how to balance it, and thereby controlling imbalanced and counterproductive behaviors of all kinds. And then if medication is necessary, his approach will minimize any side effects by using natural treatments first and medications only when necessary. If you know someone who's suffering with ADHD or who can benefit from this, please share this episode with them. Now here's Dr. Greenblatt. Good morning and welcome to the show, Dr. Greenblatt. Happy to have you on the show today. Uh, Very good to be with you. Thank you. So before we jump into topic of the day, I'd like to get a little bit of background on how you got into what you do. Well, I'm I'm a traditionally trained psychiatrist. I've been practicing almost 30 years now. I went to medical school thinking I was going to cure all of mental illness with, you know, brown rice and kale and was kind of uh, came out as prescribing medicines um, 10 years later. And over the next 30 years, really kind of worked on helping understand nutrition and brain function and how to use integrative medicine to our traditional treatments for psychiatry. So that's kind of the goal of my work for consumers and uh, professionals. And for those of the listeners who aren't familiar with integrative medicine, what would you consider integrative medicine within the realm of what you do? You know, integrative medicine is is looking at at the science and uh, of um, treatments that might not be the mainstream. In psychiatry, the mainstream is pretty much drugs, medications, and we have lots of research on nutrition, on uh, mind-body, mindfulness, on exercise and diet, a relationship between gut and mental health. So it's really um, taking the science that's available and integrating that into traditional treatments, um, always doing what's best for our patients. So you're saying there's a direct correlation with the gut and our mental health. Can you go a little more in depth into explaining that? Sure. I mean, the world of integrative medicine, you know, is is broad, and um, a lot of the nutrition research um, is is been done years ago. But the gut brain connection is has been a, a explosive area of research for academic medicine around the world. And um, the simple summary is, you know, we have four or five pounds of bacteria in our gut, more bacteria cells than human cells, and the bacteria. Uh, and, and the human have this symbiotic relationship and abnormal gut bacteria can produce pretty dramatic effects on brain function. And we've seen it across all major psychiatric illnesses, depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, and ADHD. So oftentimes if we can kind of identify and heal the abnormal gut bacteria that we call dysbiosis, we can make a dent in mental health symptoms. So are you saying that someone maybe who doesn't eat very healthy is, going to, is more prone to having these types of problems? Yeah, the gut bacteria um, changes you know, daily. Um, 
uh, lots of factors. Dietary intake is probably the most. So people that eat um, a lot of junk food or refined sugar, um, their gut bacteria is going to shift. People that are overeating, people that are restricting, the gut bacteria is always changing, and, and certain changes can set up a process that can affect mental health. So conversely, do you ever have people come in and when you, when you tell them this information, try and eat healthy, but don't get results as far as regarding their symptoms? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, over the years, dietary changes uh, certainly are important. And, um, but oftentimes when someone's coming in with mental health symptoms, um, we would be looking at a little more aggressive supplementation with probiotics, um, you know, good bacteria that can help, um, you know, support the gut a little more aggressive way than just dietary changes. You know, it's interesting. I just finished a certificate in clinical nutritional pain management. And one of the things that we learned about the gut was it can take less than 24 hours after you eat something with a lot of sugar or something something bad to change the gut flora negatively. However, to heal it, in other words, when you're eating good food, it doesn't go right back. You know, it could take 7 to 14 days to actually make a positive improvement for the gut to show um, signs of good bacteria. Yes, and, and sometimes if, if uh, individuals have had a lot of antibiotics, a lot of stress, um, and poor diet for long periods of time, it sets up a, a dysbiosis relationship that, you know, dietary changes, healthy diets, not sufficient to really make a, a difference in the mental health symptoms. So what kind of symptoms are we talking about? What kind of symptoms do patients usually or clients usually present with? Well, I mean, the old days we used to think of, um, you know, using probiotics or helping with um, the gut if someone had GI symptoms. So, of bloating, indigestion, gas, things like that. But what we're finding and the research is supporting is oftentimes just symptoms of, of mental health. So we're able to, um, uh, you know, anxiety, depression, ADHD um, symptoms. If we look at either metabolites of gut bacteria or do stool samples uh, analyzing gut bacteria, we're finding sometimes just psychological um symptoms can reflect an abnormal gut flora. So what are those psychological symptoms? Like what does a person come to you and say, I've got a problem with this, this, this? Well, for, you know, ADHD, um, oftentimes it, it can be the kind of irritable, aggressive, um, hyperactive kids that often have abnormal growth of a, a strain of bacteria that produces chemicals that cause this agitation. So we can detect in the urine uh, some of these metabolites and, and treat it um, aggressively with high-dose probiotics. Are you seeing people come to you and they've already ha have their kids labeled with ADHD or are they coming to you and saying, hey, I'm wondering if my kid has ADHD, can you help me? Uh, I guess, you know, in our practices over the years, we're, we're seeing both. Um, oftentimes, Parents, kids have been diagnosed and treated with medications and either had side effects and looking for alternatives and they come to us. But more and more we're seeing like the five to seven-year-olds that are struggling in the um, kindergarten or early grades and parents don't want medications, so starting to look for alternatives uh, much earlier. And then we can really kind of see if there's something 
that's contributing. When, you know, if we had 10 kids that have the symptoms of ADHD, so inattentive, hyperactivity, um, only one or two might have problems with their gut. So part of the problem with kind of this new alternative integrative world is that you read about something or hear something and you just assume it's your child, but it, you really need to test and understand if that's a particular problem. There might be many different kind of underlying causes of behavioral problems in children. Interesting. So that seems a, a lot lower than I would expect. So you're saying a child with ADHD symptoms, maybe only 10% of them would be uh, necessarily a good candidate for the integrative approach? Oh, not the integrated approach. Uh, the in, everyone would be a candidate. It would be what integrative approach we would take. Got it. So for these 10 kids, we might have child A, you know, has a mineral high copper. Child B and C might have the, you know, gut micro, uh, microbiome problem and then other deficiencies or other um, kinds of problems. So everyone would benefit, uh, even those kids that are taking medication, benefit from an integrative approach because we really can minimize or eliminate side effects to these medicines. Okay, so how has treatment changed over the last 25 years for kids who maybe have been labeled with ADHD? Well, I, I think, um, you know, when I used to talk about this 25 years ago, I didn't have a lot of research. I had, um, you know, a few, you know, doctors over the years who've been writing about this integrative approach. Um, but what's happened now when I give a lecture, I talk, or, or the recent book that we wrote, I can uh, use uh, research to demonstrate that, you know, uh, trace minerals, magnesium is low, essential fatty acids might be low in the gut. So the research has really caught up and uh, really identified that an integrative approach um, is effective for helping these kids with behavior problems. You know, I think parents are looking. I'm not sure the medical community, the pediatricians, and child psychiatrists are prescribing less. Um, Belief parents now are looking, and those that are interested and in, those doctors that are trained, we do have now effective alternatives. No, I was gonna say what's happened is um, the shift in now college kids and adults, you know, taking medications for ADHD has um, kind of increased over the past 25 years. Well, they've grown up with it, right? Yeah, I mean, amphetamines have, are pretty um, powerful medications. I mean, they are addicting. Um, uh, most kids with ADHD are not addicted to it, but their functioning on amphetamines um, really become um, part of how they're used to. So our goal, if we do use medicines, is to use an integrative approach to help people function without medicines very quickly. You kind of touched on it, you, nutrition, mindfulness, exercise. Let's say we have a, a patient come to you and they're, they really want to see if they can reduce or modify their medication use for uh, ADHD. Um, what are some specific things that they end up doing that will produce the results that they're hoping to get? Well, I mean, part of our practice, you know, as, as a physician and we tried to outline in, in the book is, you know, we uh, do a lot of testing because the concept of um, each of these kids or adults with ADHD being different might have different contributing cause. We know genetics play a role, so there's a genetic vulnerability. Um, but we look at blood, hair, urine tests to see 
what kind of nutritional deficiency someone might have. Um, we talk about the plus-minus plan. Are there, are there things that you might need to remove from your diet? Is there a food allergy? Is there heavy metals? That's the minus. And the plus is adding nutrients by looking at deficiencies. So most of the kids with ADHD we're finding are deficient in magnesium. Um, so that's usually the most common. And then, you know, by careful testing and analysis, try to help create a more personalized, uh, integrative approach for that individual. So are you actually um, recommending supplements for some some patients? I would say the vast majority um, would be taking supplements, yes. And the supplement, um, for, for someone really struggling with ADHD, if you just kind of go to the health food store and try to take this or that, it, it, it's not as effective as really carefully doing the testing. Um, is there B12 deficiency and magnesium deficiency? Do we need more omega-3 fatty acids? So we can determine that and then really create that targeted, personalized approach. But most people would benefit from supplementation. And then what's your opinion on supplements in general as far as the quality and where to get them from uh, to get the best result? You know, I think um, whenever we talk about nutrition, you know, dietary changes is always the goal um, to get our our nutrients from food. I believe certainly in, in my world of psychiatry, people struggling with um, ADHD or other genetic kinds of things, I believe additional supplementation is required. And oftentimes, um, you got to be careful um, without knowing the manufacturer because there's not as much regulation on supplements, um, so they, they don't have the control. So you want to get it from kind of known, um, highly regarded manufacturers for your supplement. And do you have any recommendations for some of those highly regarded manufacturers? Well, as a physician, we use um, you know, a company called Pure Encapsulations um, because of the quality controls. Um, so that's how we've been um, practicing for the past um, 20 years. Um, there are other uh, companies that are good and oftentimes working with a, a naturopath or a dietitian or your doctor that's familiar, they'll be able to kind of help guide you with that. Usually mothers get it before fathers because, you know, you see the symptoms and you just assume the child's doing it on purpose or not trying hard um, and can't control these behaviors. But um, it's quite clear that it's a medical, biological disorder, having a hard time inhibiting impulses and paying attention. And that's why treating it biologically with nutrition is really important. And I think when when we talk about it as just a discipline problem, then we just label the kids, we yell at the kids, they're seen as um, bad kids, and that just sets a course of low self-esteem and sense of failure that really sticks with these kids forever. And so when you're, when you're helping someone or when you're testing and making recommendations, how long does it take for one to see actual changes and to know if this type of approach is working for them? Yeah, it's a really important question. Um, for like the gut, the gut bacteria, sometimes we can see differences, you know, in 30 days. Um, magnesium, you know, can be one to two months. We typically ask parents to um, kind of plan on about three months of the nutritional changes that um, is being recommended. And then after that time, we can be a little more targeted, uh, assess if medications is needed at that time. 
Um, but it's usually it's a slower process, and uh, some parents um, are very patient and can work with the child um, for those three months. Well, I think, uh, as you said, change is, is difficult, um, particularly making a change with one child if there are three children at home. Um, you know, I don't recommend gluten and dairy-free for every ADHD child, but we can test for those, um, and, and some do need to eliminate gluten or dairy, and that's difficult for families with lots of kids. So I really respect the process of change, and um, that's why we never kind of just dictate this is what you need to do. And, and that's why uh, the other part of the integrative medical approach is that we're not afraid to use medicines if they're needed. If a parent um, can't make the dietary changes quickly, if the child is really struggling and failing or in quite um, social uh, distress, then maybe medicine is needed while we're introducing one nutrient at a time or one dietary intervention at a time. The mindfulness question is a really good one. It's really, you know, you think of an ADHD child, hyperactive, not being able to sit still, um, but the mindfulness research is quite good, and oftentimes you can do active mindfulness um, training, so walking uh, mindfulness so these kids are out, but they really benefit from it, and um, the uh, symptoms really improve. And what, walk us through that treatment. What, what is walking mindfulness? How would one initiate uh, mindfulness while they're walking? Well, I, I think, well, let me go one step back and talk about exercise first. So martial arts has been incredibly helpful for a number of ADHD kids. And then those that are involved in, you know, more aerobic exercises, um, one tend to do well and attention is better after that. The mindfulness um, program is very hard to, you know, help a child be kind of aware of their breathing while they're sitting quietly. But if they're uh, kind of moving, um, then they're feeling comfortable. And if you work with someone who's uh, familiar with mindfulness, they can um, kind of develop programs specific for the child. But any kind of movement, I've just found that these kids um, benefit and movement in nature is the most helpful because we also have studies you know, for vitamin N, nature, that when kids are around nature, there's also sustained attention. Um, so the walking mindfulness is just a program where individuals are moving and being aware of their surroundings, um, what they're seeing, what they're hearing, what they're feeling, how their body feels as they move, and that over time can really make a, a dent in some of the symptoms that you and I are familiar with ADHD. Now, you say there's, there can be many causes of ADHD. Can ADHD be prevented? Uh, there's actually some research on, on you know, prenatal uh, nutritional work um, from uh, probiotics uh, early in life to, uh, you know, uh, other nutrients deficiencies prenatally. So there, there's some work there. Um, I, I think the genetic component is quite significant and real, so I'm not sure we can prevent ADHD, but what we can do from an early age is to prevent some of the consequences of untreated ADHD. If um, a child might do better in a different environment, a different school, a different learning process, so it's really understanding of the children and really accommodating the environment to work towards their strengths. So it's really a strength-based approach. I think the more important concept is 
some of the symptoms of ADHD are some of those um, uh, character traits that make people very successful. Um, you know, entrepreneurs, business uh, people, very successful people in all walks of life, you know, have ADHD. It's just being able to kind of compensate for those deficits and the environment where your strengths are are accentuated, you know, or just medicating them away. Um, and and most kids end up not liking that feeling because creativity, impulsivity, that energy and passion um, is what we want in the real world. It's just sometimes a mismatch if you're sitting in history class and you don't like history. So can ADHD be cured? Uh, I think so, absolutely, in terms of um, the disabling aspect of it, that um, the, the symptoms might be uh, getting you, you know, suspended from school. Or um, one of the things we talk a lot about now is the research on, on driving accidents and uh, so untreated ADHD. So we know we can cure it in the sense of minimizing some of these disabling um, symptoms. And have you had any uh, personal experience with this outside of your profession? Uh, No, not personal. I think um, 30 years of uh, being a child psychiatrist, we've, um, most of the world, um, and we ran ADHD clinics and just watched the field change. So it's just been a major part of our practice for many years. Now, you're wa- working on something uh, something else that's coming out soon. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, sure. Yeah, we're currently, um, by the summer, we'll have a book on, you know, the prevention of Alzheimer's. And um, it's related to a nutritional supplement, lithium, which is misunderstood because we think of lithium as a drug. But it's also a natural element that's been around for 13 billion years. It was one of the first elements on the planet from the Big Bang and we use lithium, low-dose lithium in the ADHD and the irritable, aggressive kids um, oftentimes are deficient in lithium. And work over the past, you know, 30 years has demonstrated that low-dose lithium has incredible uh, scientific evidence that it's helpful in preventing Alzheimer's. So in practice, what would you say you find is the the hardest thing or the <clears throat> biggest difficulty you have in getting people to buy into? I uh, Two things. One, you mentioned a change and, and making transition. Um, the, the second is really the my medical colleagues. Um, oftentimes, we might recommend a supplement. Let's just say someone is taking a, a medication uh, by their pediatrician and they're having side effects to Ritalin. Well, magnesium is a nutritional supplement that can eliminate almost all of those side effects. You know, the, the anxiety, the irritability, the nail biting, things that we see. So we might recommend magnesium and the parent might take it and the pediatrician saying, well, there's no research to support that. And we can send them 50, 100 articles, uh, but they're really not um, interested. So I think the toughest sometimes has been colleagues um, not really accepting the role that nutrition might play in ADHD or other uh, disorders of um, uh, mental health. 
Yeah, you know, I, I can relate to that because I've seen that a lot in, in my practice. I'm, I treat mostly chronic pain or, or pain in my practice. And as well as, as you said, when you're taking an integrative approach, usually that means people working together. And sometimes it feels like you're working against some people, although you should ha- all have the same goal in mind, which is improvement of, of patient quality of life, right? Absolutely. It just, um, the times are changing. It's easier than it was 25, 30 years um, for us in practice now. And uh, I think uh, patients and consumers are much um, uh, more equipped to find those doctors who are willing to collaborate with a team. So if people want to find more about you or learn more about you or connect with you, how, where would you direct people to? Uh, the simplest probably the, our website, James Greenblatt MD, um, has the, the books that we've written um, and some of the work that we're doing about uh, trying to train uh, other professionals. Great. Well, it's been excellent having you on the show today. I appreciate you taking the time to talk about this subject. It's a tough subject and kind of hard one to wrap your head around, no pun intended. Um, but uh, thank you for taking the time with us today on the show and, and wish you the best luck with uh, future endeavors. Great. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Heal Better Fast podcast at www.healbetterfast.com. Oh.